Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2000 movie 28 Days is a, not sure if rehab movie is a genre, maybe a subgenre with Sandra Bullock. Uh, joining me today is Stefan from New Zealand, a doctor and anesthesiologist. I cannot pronounce that word. Did I, I didn't say that correctly, did I? <laughs> call, it, call it the English version, which is anesthetist. Anesthetist yeah, makes that much easier. I'll say that. So, so, uh, so well, cool. welcome, welcome to the show today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you so much. Now, um, if you would like to listen at home or if you're, well, hopefully you're, no, you're not driving and watching, that would not be good. Uh, that would be distracting driving. So hopefully you're, you're, you're at home uh, safe and sound or at work or wherever you may be and you would like to listen to this podcast as a commentary track, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, now, the reason that this uh, show is in a commentary track format is to remind you that you are not alone. I know many people listening will say, what do you mean I'm not alone? I'm the only one here. And so what I mean is you are not alone. When you have someone to go to a movie with, when you have someone to watch a movie with, movie watching becomes a social activity. But when you have no one to go to the movies with, when you have no one to watch a movie with, movie watching is a solo and a solitary activity, which can be traumatic oftentimes, depending upon what the movie is and what, what your state of mind is at a given point in time. So um, that said, if you, I will, I will watch the movie with you. Uh, Stefan will watch the movie with you. I don't know if it will be the whole length of the movie. It, it might not be, but, but we'll, we'll both be here with you for a little while if you would like to watch the movie while you're listening to the podcast. I will, and we'll both be on the other side of the pause button if you would like to do that now my um okay now um i did also want to mention uh, a couple different crisis text lines depending upon where you are in the world listening if you are in the u.s you can text home h-o-m-e to seven four one seven four one if you are in the uk you can text shout s-h-o-u-t to 85258. Depending upon where you are in the world, there may be different crisis text lines. Um, so, so Stefan, again, welcome. Uh, thank, thank you for joining us today. It is an absolute um, pleasure and an honor. Thank you very thank, much for having me. Thank you. So um, now, if you, now I, I do want to mention this is commentary track, but it's not necessarily a movie commentary track, even though we will be referencing a movie. So if this were a movie-based commentary there might be a comment like oh that this opening sequence where she's dancing in a bar sounds like the, the the clash song should i stay or should i go but it does not sound like the album version of the song um i'm always happy to hear the clash though i don't necessarily know how i feel about hearing the clash in a movie like this um so, Stefan, what um, if you could briefly? Where, what is your um, what what was what has your journey been like in terms of recovery and, and whatnot? What 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 brought you to, um, to 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 this point in time? Well, I lived a little bit alive, like Gwen, in twenty eight days, because I, like her, was drinking far too much and did not want to admit it. Because that's, that's what we do. We make believe that, hey, look, it's absolutely normal. 
Look at Joe. Joe drinks yeah. really a lot. I mean, yeah. him, yeah. him, he is an alcoholic. Me? Yeah. No way. Yeah. And like when I was living uh, a, uh, a life where there was a lot of hiding going on and a lot of shame and guilt. There was a lot of trauma going on. There were a lot of things happening in my life that were not so nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, we always find many, many good reasons to drink. And uh, I, was, I was amongst the best there. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was not a nice life, but yeah. it was the life of, an, of a high-functioning alcoholic, someone who is keeping his act sort of together because I never had a, a DUI, I never had a run-in with the law, but I certainly, I think it was, it would have been a matter of time, mm -hmm. uh, maybe another few years, and that would have gotcha. changed. Yeah. At some stage, your life spirals out of control, your health spirals out of control, exactly. and so after, uh, or about seven years ago, enough was enough. And with the help of my gorgeous wife, Lisa, I ended up in rehab. 28 days, like when, yes. so I know exactly what yes. she was talking about. Correct. Uh, I saw, I can't remember the first time when I saw 28 days. Mm -hmm. It would have been before I went into rehab. Correct. And I thought, I, I might have not even watched it whole, the whole film. I might have yeah. just switched off in yeah. between and thinking, nah, nah, yeah. nah, it's yeah. a boring film. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> Needless to say, down the line, I watched it and I recognized so many things in there. So this film is actually a very good representation mm -hmm. and it brings, brings up a lot of very valid points. Right. Well, even the, the and, and Gwen being the um, Sandra Bullock character, mm -hmm. who is the protagonist, so to speak, of, of the movie. And the opening sequence, for those who, who are watching it, it's even a, a tip-off to what's, you know, her troubles that will befall her, so to speak, because she's already waking up late for a wedding. And not only that, but not just any attendance to her sister's wedding. Her, her sister, played by Elizabeth Perkins, who many people will know from, from Big. Um, isn't that funny? She, she's been in so many movies since Big, and that's, people still remember her from Big, you know, Tom, Tom Hanks' friend from Big. So this is one of the movies that she's been in since Big. Um, but yeah, the... Um, this whole this whole opening sequence where she is not the best bridesmaid for her sister's wedding it 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 foreshadows a lot of what's what's to follow because so if because if she hadn't if she had just completely spaced out and not gone to the wedding at all just completely spaced out, there'd be no movie because she probably wouldn't have gotten the accident, wouldn't have gotten the, uh, the, the, the and it, it's, a, it's presumed in the movie, but there's no scene in it, but it's presumed in, and referred to that it is a court appointed uh, rehab, 28 days um, to, because um, she, she makes a huge mess with, with her, her boyfriend. And as you alluded to, their, their whole attitude is, oh, it's all fun and games. You know, that there's no sense of, of, of reverence or respect of, you know, there, there were no, I think it's interesting that this movie has, it, it's cuts right to the reception. So I have to, I, I sometimes wonder how they, how they would have behaved 
in, in, in the wedding, in the actual wedding ceremony. Mm -hmm. I sometimes wonder about that because it, it cuts right to the reception. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you wonder if they had had a scene in the movie, if they had behaved in, in the wedding itself? Or do, you, or do you think they are just started acting tipsy at the reception? I think, remember, you're writing for an audience when you write your script. So therefore, there is the free act kind of buildup. There is the, the kind of certain structures. And it, there is only so much in fun and games yeah. that you can add to actually uh, fluff up and, and, and highlight the, yeah. the kind of story itself before it becomes a distraction. So, of course, it would have been intriguing uh, yeah. to see, and it would have been probably rather cringe-worthy to see. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But remember, it is, it is all 28s of rehab, so there are flashbacks towards reception, there are flashbacks Correct. towards things that happen. So that is the, the key thing. The focus is on her journey, her transformation as the heroine from a, a hard-drinking, hard-playing uh, woman who surrounds herself with her boyfriend, who is equally uh, over the top as far Correct. as alcohol consumption and, and drugs are going, to this court-enforced rehab, which is only marginally mm -hmm. better for her, uh, in her in her own mind, compared with jail, which would have been the alternative. Correct. So she doesn't want help. She thinks, no, she's absolutely fine. And that's 95% of the drinking population of those people who are alcoholics or drinking dangerously 95% will tell you nah I'm fine I'm yeah, absolutely fine exactly because even the, the scene for those who are watching where you know she 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 falls on the wedding cake and she acknowledges that she probably shouldn't have but she's so ambivalent to it like oh no big deal I'll just you know go and get another cake like mm. uh, a cake of that size and magnitude oh you you know she she's in her mind Oh, she can just go to the store and buy a, a huge wedding cake like that, like it's like it's a loaf of bread. And no, that's not typically how <laughs> wedding cakes are are made. I'm sure it's possible she might get a you know a large sheet cake, maybe a large cake, but not not the the cake that was at the reception. Those are typically <laughs> well, not typically, oh, no. but, but always made Hell made to no. order. Yeah. So she was even in some denial about that. I mean, she acknowledged mm. that, oopsie, I shouldn't have, you know, fallen into mm. cake, but Please. Um, yeah. <laughs> Please. Uh, but she can, she cannot recall that exactly. later on down in the, in the film. And that actually shows so much. We are, as alcoholics, we live in a haze mm -hmm. and we live, we, we are like, like teenagers, a complete selfish bunch of people who are thinking of nothing else than procuring the next amount of alcohol, drinking yep. it, being drunk. But whilst we're doing that, we are hiding it. So we are hiding that we are buying the drink. We're hiding that we're drinking it. Then we're hiding that we're drunk. Then we're hiding that we are hungover. And then yeah. we're hiding yeah. again that we're thinking about the drink. So it's a very busy and very selfish life. And that's exactly Definitely. what Quinn is living. Definitely. And, and what's interesting is these early scenes where she, where she checks in and she's just very defensive and, and not quite hostile, but just, okay, what am I doing here? It's kind of interesting as the story goes along and she gets these different clues 
clues from her, her roommate who is a teenager. Uh, I believe, I think she mentioned the one time she's, this is her, her, um, her, her roommate who you'll see momentarily, Andrea, who's her, her roommate and the manager or the, the head of the clinic, um, Cornell, who's the, the Steve Buscemi character, both of them who, who we'll see in, in a little bit, both of them give her clues as to what is what she's in for if she doesn't, if she doesn't seek help that she's there for. So well, the reality for us alcoholics, there are only three outcomes. It's either jail or a grave or recovery. Full correct. stop. That's it. Correct. And the good news, but there's a good news. Every alcohol stops drinking. Uh, every alcoholic, shall I say, stops drinking. It's just, it would be nice if they stopped drinking while they're still alive. True. So, so there's, so from your perspective, the, the, there's a line later in the movie, it'll be coming up in a little bit, but the Steve Buscemi character, where he gives a, like a welcoming speech, you'll see to, to some of the, um, the, the, the residents there. And he makes a comment that it's not any way to, it's not a way to live, but it's a way to die. And so that's something that, that, that really rings true. Hell yeah. With what, Hell yeah. He, what he's talking about. Um, I mean, the reality is when, when I, in my first day of rehab, um, I was admitted and, and with me, three other uh, women were admitted, all between 40 and 65. And we all seemed to enjoy our wine. We all enjoyed our, our spirits. And uh, very soon we... Uh, started comparing a bit like a pissing contest yeah, really yeah you tried to establish yourself you know okay well tell me more so you know how much were you drinking what yeah. three bottles of wine that's rookie numbers come on you can do better yeah. than that and yeah you, and it's, you, you, correct. you compare and it's, you compare the liver function tests you know how how bad is your liver damage from the alcohol a gamma gt a thousand oh that's nothing mine is whatever Exactly, so that's and that's, reality. it's funny you mention that because that's a, a, the, the exact thing that they all, that they all mention. There's that the scene where she comes in and they all say, okay, you know, let's you know, kind of like take it a bet on, on what her, what her <laughs> diagnosis is. Yeah. Uh, well, can I ask you, when you were in rehab, did you find it, and, and one of, the, one of the, the criticisms I could imagine for this movie, which it gets, is according to many of these criticisms of the movie, which I don't agree with, but to be objective, quote unquote, uh, one of the criticisms is that it comes across as a little sitcom-y because of the different characters. Um, did, from your experience in rehab, was it sort of like a sitcom in a way because of the different personalities? Because that's something where I think it's more a, a sense of the different personalities, not that it's sitcom-y, but the fact that if you have different people coming from different backgrounds, different diagnoses, you're going to have different personalities. Absolutely. Not everybody Absolutely. is going to have the same story. They're not going to have oh. the same background. Well, exactly. um, even in this movie, not everybody is strictly alcoholic or, or strictly dual diagnosis where it's alcoholic and bipolar. Her roommate is more, according to the movie, more depression, a little bipolar. It's sort of suggested. So, uh, but from your experience, though, you've seen where it's like a, a more mix of different personalities. That is that 
you have got not only uh, different personalities, you have got different addictions, which have all their own hallmarks. Okay. So we had the truck driver who was on P and he was a very angry man and he would be driving 16 hours straight, driving, yeah. driving, driving yeah. uh, under the influence of the, of the upper. And we had the, the women who had lost themselves after their babies and were now in their 50s and 60s, never found themselves again. And for them, the only thing that mattered was their bottle of wine and draw the curtains and don't want to know anything from outside. Um, so inevitably, these are very two different personalities and people there. Their problems will be different. It's still the underlying reason why they are drinking and using mm -hmm. is the same. They want to minimize pain yeah. and they want to, to have reward. They want to have some sense in their life. Yeah. They want, but it's typically numbing the pain. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, the, the criticism of sitcom it doesn't really gel with me because mm -hmm. ultimately you have got so many different people and so many different stories. Definitely. I mean, I had 20 people around me and every single story was different. Mm -hmm. Yet there were so many parallels because our behavior was that of an addict exactly. and it doesn't matter which form of addiction mm -hmm. is is riding you or which combination of addictive substances and behaviors you have chosen you are still doing the same things and the mm -hmm. end result the the twin uh, the evil twins of shame and guilt exactly. are there for every addict Exactly. And one of the one of the non sitcom -y things that I like about the movie is one of the opening scenes when she's at her when she the very first words that her sister says to her is, oh, you, you make it impossible to, to, to love you. Huh. This is her sister saying that. And it speaks to that element of genetic uh, makeup in the alcoholic because she she grew up with the same mom as her sister. Her sister is getting married and by all accounts is living a more relatively stable life than, than Gwen is. And Gwen is, you know, it, it takes this to get her on track. So it's kind of funny that they, they have the, the same mother, the same mom who, who had them. And there's a, so some flashback scenes throughout the movie where they have a, a table and turn the table into a sled. And I think that's a flashback throughout the movie. I think I, I believe it's more than mm. once where I've seen that, where mm. that flashback is. So mm. it's kind of interesting that that it, that it clearly points to that that family makeup in Gwen's story. And you have got that's fact. So uh, yeah. there are fifty plus genes that uh, each of them can make you a little bit more likely to mm -hmm. become an alcoholic. So I certainly, in my family, there is a strong alcoholic gene or gene combinations. Um, and I certainly became an alcoholic. Now, my boys will have exactly the same genes. They will have the same temptation. Yet, they have seen how I turned my life around. So it, there is a very much an, an environmental factor there where just the sheer fact that they have got a genetic tendency to become an addict means actually very little because uh, I show them with my life that actually, guys, if you talk to your girlfriend about emotions rather than rip each other head off, then suddenly you don't have trauma. Mm -hmm. So if you deal with the underlying trauma and the underlying anxiety and the underlying depression, then 
guess what? Suddenly there is no longer such a big need for you to drink. Sure. And so these are the things. So it, it is a very double-edged sword to say, oh yeah, my, uh, Farron, my parents were alcoholics. My father was an alcoholic or like Gwen's mother uh, was clearly into her booze. <laughs> um, but no, that does not necessarily mean then uh, that it is a given that yeah. the children will end up the same way. Yeah, because like I said, that was a very interesting contrast in the movie. Her her sister doesn't show any signs of it, but Gwen clearly does. So I thought that was uh, very interesting. Um, that's another... that's black and white film. Exactly. In, real in reality, if you were to strip back the layers of the onion in her sister, I bet you there would be maybe not such nice coping mechanisms somewhere along the line. Definitely. Because we are all human. We're all, exactly. there, she might be playing 15 hours straight Candy Crush, okay? Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't, doesn't, she wants to just forget her life. Yeah. So it is only because someone doesn't drink, doesn't mean to say that they are not addicts. Yeah. There's so many other forms of addiction yeah. that might not be as obvious. Oh, exactly. What was the, what was the, um, the, the wake up call moment or the slap of reality moment for you? I was spiraling down and down and down. Uh, my depression got worse and worse. I couldn't see a, a way out. I had been through a lot of uh, bullying, bullying and through a lot of problems, uh, just lots of external factors mm -hmm. where ultimately I never had learned to deal with my emotions. And then when the stress and distress was piled upon yeah. me, then I had only one way to cope. And that was to, as soon as possible, have a glass of wine or two. Mm -hmm. And then, ah, oh, finally I could relax. <laughs> yeah. So that was, oh, oh, that was yeah, it. The, the, the self-medicating thing. Correct. Self-medicating with the um, alcohol. Um, yeah, because that's one of the um, things that, like I said, Gwen, the, 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 the Sandra Bullock character, she's, I mean, she very, she's very, very defiant and stubborn when she comes in. I mean, even this part where she's, she's bumming a cigarette off the, the head of, of the clinic, the, the Steve Buscemi character. And at one point, the, the deal is she has to stay there or she goes to jail. And at one point she's like, okay, well, send me to, send me to jail, big, you know, big deal. But it doesn't take that threat to prompt her to stay. It takes her her little accident on the site. That's what does it. It's not the threat of going back to jail. It's the, I mean, that, so I think that's kind of interesting. Even though she's threatened with jail, that doesn't that doesn't phase her. Mm. It, we no, as alcoholics, we we do not. Uh, get too worried about what is 10 minutes down the line yeah. or an hour down the line or a day down the line. We want instant gratification. We want yeah. our drink right now. Even if someone was to put a gun to my head and uh, to me, as I say me, to, to protect you guys from the image. But if someone was to put a, uh, a, a gun to my head and said, yes, you can have that drink, but then I'll shoot you. Some little devil in my brain will say, I bet you you get this drink down your throat before the bullet hits you. Yeah. You can do it. You can do yeah. it. Okay. So there will be this kind of shitty voice there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is what alcohol does to you. Mm -hmm. It is, it wants that 
fix. It wants that, <laughs> that food and it will do anything. Oh, it will definitely. convince you in any way, shape or color that you take that drink. Definitely. No. Um, one of the things that I did like about the movie, and I'm not sure how much it resonated with you, but the scenes in the support group uh -huh. scenes of the movie. Uh -huh. And there, there have been times when I've been in a support group and just like the, the, the Gwen character where she's looking at the different artwork in the walls or the different side of the walls, I've done that same exact thing where I don't share anything for like the first couple of meetings. I'm just looking at the, you know, the posters on the wall and artwork on, on the windows mm -hmm. or whatever. And then like one or two meetings later, that's when I start to share. So I thought that was a little airily accurate as far as <laughs> that goes. I mean, have you encountered that, that thing where you where you look at that and it's like how did they how did they know how did they know about that about me uh, please please that is exactly <laughs> it that is exactly it it is uh, i was lucky because i yeah. went to a place called capri hospital mm -hmm. which uh unfortunately is no longer in existence in the way that yeah. it was then uh it was brilliant because all the people that taught me that were around me that looked after me from the from the nurses to the yoga teacher to the to everyone they were all addicts yeah. reformed addicts so you couldn't pull the wool over their eyes because <laughs> exactly. you know you can't bullshit a bullshitter yeah and yeah. so that was beautiful not yeah. only gave it gave it to me the insight that actually yeah. uh, no i'm not the only one who has yeah. gone through such dark times but it yeah. also gave me the hope to actually say wow every single one of them has turned their life around yeah. so maybe there is still hope for me as well oh exactly and and as far as the the, the group sittings go that i had a 12-step program and uh, there's a lot to be said about god if you're religious mm -hmm. but if you're not religious like me then God can be a bit of a stumbling stone. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Uh, God doesn't mean a deity. It can mean a group of orderly drunks, G-O-D, or a group of druggies. Uh, yeah, it means exactly. basically it's the power of the group because yeah. these people there share their, their life, share their passion, share their, their in, most intimate moments. They tell yeah. you things that they probably would have never told their parents. Mm -hmm yet okay. over a cigarette around out there in uh, in between the sessions you yeah. are basically sitting with this group and you are there's as much therapy going around the smokers corner um as there is therapy actually within the various classes that you take oh exactly and and it's funny you mentioned the various classes because there's this this running joke in the movie about the 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 um, announcement on the loudspeaker about these different meetings and am I I think one was am I really am I was I really stone drunk or did I just forget classes like that that had these and it was this you notice that it's like it's this running joke throughout the movie that these these and I think it's a joke going back to what is it that that Robert Alt movie Mash I think is that yeah. where, where they, is that where they take it from. <laughs> um, but it's like you know, I said like every. It's not throughout the movie, but you see like throughout the. Well, I guess it is throughout the movie. You have like these, these little PA announcements, and I've seen that happen, where you have the you see those announcements or hear those right. announcements, and it's just like it's almost like a, almost like a Greek chorus to to <laughs> to the movie, because it yeah, um, and even with. Um, 
Yeah, but there's there's a lot that really um, you know speaks to me, and and I think you know when I um, reach out to guests or they reach out to me, I always just. And, and, and movie's not always necessary, but I, I was um, kind of surprised that you mentioned 28 Days because it, this is one of my favorite movies. And I've seen this, um, I don't know how many times. Uh, uh, it, just, it just rings a bell. There's so many little snippets there that are so painfully close to my own realizations. Uh, it is just, it is so many little gems are hidden in that film Correct. for an alcoholic in recovery or a drug addict in recovery. You recognize yourself so many times over and over. Oh, you, okay. you hear the, her saying words that you would have said. And it is just, so it is actually very well written. Exactly. And it, so it is written by someone who has been there, done that, and has vomited on the T-shirt? So, oh, okay, exactly. this is this is yeah. good. Yeah, and, and for those who might be listening and wanting some movie commentary, since <laughs> I don't, you know, so as to not disappoint them, um, the movie was directed by Betty Thomas, who I believe previously directed the Howard Stern movie Private Parts, and the screenplay. Since you mentioned the screenplay, um, uh, Susanna Grant, the, the same year, she was nominated for an Oscar for Erin Brockovich. Uh, so apparently a very, a very good screenwriter and a very good director. And well, I so, need to get in touch with her because the yeah. more I now talk to you, the more I think this is a bloody good film. I need to get <laughs> you onto my show and yeah. I want to figure out how you wrote that script and yeah, exactly. what is the background. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and one of the things as far as the family thing, her, um, Gwen's roommate, um, the, 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 the teenager who is going through a hard time, she, in a way, is almost like a daughter character to Gwen because Gwen is not a parent. And you notice that because she's not a peer, she's not an adult, she's an adolescent. So it's kind of in a weird way that she almost becomes not quite a mother figure, but in a way, maybe like an older sister character in a way. And that is one of the things that brings her to that realization even if it's a roommate situation, she still develops some concern for, for mm -hmm. her. Going from simply being a selfish party girl, you know, no concern for anyone else, to actually having legitimate concern for her roommate who's going through a hard time. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's another interesting aspect of the movie is, how she develops that sense of concern and legitimate, uh, you know, reverence for her fellow human beings. And um, it's something that, that is of quite an importance because as I said earlier, we live a very selfish life. Yeah. And if suddenly you, you see the power of connection and see the power of living with others, exactly. that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think, yeah, this is this. You make connections in rehab. You make connections in in recovery that are very powerful Definitely. because they are so foreign to you. They are so 
different to you. I still think very fondly of a number of my fellow inmates uh, there. And it is just, if I was to see them today, we would probably fall in each other's arms and, and slap <laughs> each other stupid. Yeah, um, yeah. Just, just because, and we, we've only spent together, I don't know, a few hours, if you yeah, actually think yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. But these were such traumatic times and such yeah. transformational times that, yeah, human connection is so, so important to beat addiction. So that's yeah. what she is learning. Right. Well, there was also, I think, I think before I had hit record and, and before we were on, on mic, um, you had mentioned something about like the, the shame and guilt aspect of the story and there's a lot of shame and guilt floating around um around grunt's story there's there's a few flashbacks of again her her um her childhood and her, her mother and the whole oh if it's not fun it's not worth doing and having that drilled in her head at, at a young age and having that follow her into adulthood as she, as she took up these habits and you know, addictive um, behaviors. I think that is, that is the reality. The children will always copy mm -hmm. and you, we, we do so much damage mm -hmm. as grown ups to our children. So children who are growing up in an addictive family or in an alcoholic family, there are, yeah, these are, I call them in my book, My Steps to Sobriety, I mm -hmm. call them the silent generation. Oh, exactly. Because they're from the very early moment, they don't know what happens when they come home. Yeah. Is daddy in a good mood or is he about to beat the shit out of them? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Something like that. You just don't know. So yeah. the children uh, become um, the, the perfect daughters, mm -hmm. uh, which is the title of a book of a, of a, a mm -hmm. fellow author who describes basically the, this, this, this strange behavior of children mm -hmm. who are born into alcoholic families. Well, yeah, because exactly, because there's that one flashback scene where, where her aunt at one point comes for the girls and they, and they tell her, oh, it's because your, your mother has, has passed. And I think it was, would have been the, the Gwen character. She's like, oh, well, just slap her. She'll wake up. She has no concept of what the aunt is talking about. She's like, oh, just slap her. She'll, she'll be fine. You know, wake her up. So yeah, the, the whole um, childhood thing and not having um, an appreciation for a lot of the, the, the gravity of, of that situation. Absolutely. Um, that's a definite point. The um, other thing is the, is the codependent uh, part of the picture. And there's a huge part of that in the movie, um, both with Gwen and, and her boyfriend, as well as you see that in, in other characters also. It uh, is something. Oh, please, please. It is, first of all, alcoholics will always surround themselves with other alcoholics or, and because then it doesn't appear to you that there is something wrong. Exactly. Because if everyone drinks a lot, then it's normal. So yeah. it's, it's just fine. Yeah. The, the problem arises when suddenly you're invited to a uh, teetotal uh, party mm -hmm. or to a, or when suddenly your partner uh, changes and suddenly your partner becomes, I don't know, my wife became uh, very Christian and she chose to stop drinking. And we had probably quite a few rows uh, yeah, in yeah. that time 
because yeah. I kept drinking and I kept hiding it then. And mm-hmm. uh, this, I don't know how many times I must have hurt her. Mm-hmm. So, but normally the codependency to, to be actually, to, to have a relationship that is all about facilitating the drinking of the other, mm-hmm. facilitating the using is just yeah, something that you see again and again. Yeah, and but, you see, yeah. you see that the character, her boyfriend, there, when he comes to the rehab to do a visit, he uh, actually tries to tempt her, and they mm-hmm. try to go out and have a drink and and, mm-hmm. and use drugs and things mm-hmm. like that. And it is there is no 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 recognition that actually for for Gwen there is a a chance to get healthier and get better and deal with the shit in her life. Mm-hmm. But for him, that is that is a nuisance. For him, that is wrong. That is, you know, oh, come on, let's, let's have some yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, because the boyfriend's attitude is basically life sucks and you die. Mm. That, that's his attitude. And Gwen, by, by contrast, because of what she's already encountered in, in, in rehab, mm. she knows that, well, yeah, life sucks and you die, but, but there's probably a little more beyond that. And mm. that I think that is a, a difference that, that, that makes a difference is she starts looking beyond the whole life sucks and you die, which, which her boyfriend, which is his worldview. And she starts looking beyond that to see what can make her better. What can Mm. make her happier? Because the boyfriend, it doesn't seem like he is genuinely interested in being happier. Mm. He's interested in self-medicating. He's happier in putting on the mask and, Mm. and the happy face. But I don't think that he generally is a happy person. No, in, no. In the character. No, I think in in reality, I would dare to say that every man and woman in active addiction is not happy. Mm-hmm. There is just that is an oxymoron. Exactly. You do when I hear the word a happy drunk. <laughs> that's that's bullshit that's yeah. absolute yeah. bullshit yeah there what i see is a man or a woman who is finally drunk enough to forget mm-hmm. their pain i think that is what you see and uh, with alcohol it's quite easy because you see the effect of the alcohol mm-hmm. but uh, that could be gambling that could be like one of the other uh, mm-hmm. um, guys who gets admitted who mm-hmm. she has got a little bit of a of a of a crush on to start off with um, he is a sex addict mm-hmm. so addiction comes in many many form Definitely. shapes colors and there are just variations of a theme Mm-hmm. They are just behaviors Correct. that coincidentally use a different kind of poison. Correct. Now, as far as on your path to recovery, was 28 days sufficient for you to get a handle on what you're dealing with? Or was it, was it more than 28 days? Because for me, it's been a lifelong process. So true. Yeah. Do you know why 28 days? And I think it's for insurance purposes, isn't it? Isn't Correct. It? It's because Correct. of the insurance Correct. billing purposes. That's right. In America, the maximum yeah. time that the insurance would pay is 28 days. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, a lot of programs <laughs> were built for 28 days. Yeah. As simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, 28 days is a nice way of giving you a head start. Mm-hmm. It allows you to detox safely. Mm-hmm. 
at least from alcohol. Uh, okay. Alcohol detox is about a week. And then yeah. there is a post-withdrawal kind of symptom that can be months and sometimes years. Yeah. So that's alcohol. Whilst if you look at uh, other addictions like marijuana, that can be so much more difficult. Um, other like heroin uh, detoxes, again, very different. So Detox is the first stage, and in 28 days, certainly you can do a lot about that. Yeah. But you can also, you need to rattle the cage. You need yeah. to get the buy-in from the, from the addict to actually say, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Sure. When, you, when you achieved that, when you've got that insight, and you then start giving them solutions to their problems yeah. and start figuring out what has been going on in their life, mm -hmm. deal with what you can deal, or actually put the baby to rest and yeah. say enough is enough. Uh, with that, this was in the past, this was 30 years ago. Yeah. Let's, let's refocus, let's reprogram you towards the future and give you the mindfulness techniques, give you the, yeah. the skills to deal yeah. with the new challenges. Yeah. So that's really what rehab does. Yeah. In 28 days, you can only do so much. Mm -hmm. So recovery is a lifelong process. Yeah. There is no doubt about Correct. that. Right. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something. If this movie had gone a different way, because obviously she chooses to step up her game so she doesn't have to go to jail. But supposing that she decided to say, oh, screw it, you know, well, you know, I'll be dead anyway, I might as well go to jail. Do you think if it had gone that route, do you think it's possible that, that, that she could have reached sobriety in, in, in prison? Or, or I think it would be jail, not prison, but do you think she mm. could have reached potentially a similar sobriety point in, in incarceration with a lot of the programs that are in jails? Or do you think that it would be, in her, do you think that she would be correct in, as far as writing it off and saying, oh, it wouldn't help you and that she's better off in, do you know what I mean? Because uh, I know exactly yeah. your question. <laughs> I understand you and yeah. I need to be careful because yeah. there will be different answers for okay. different countries. Yeah. I, I think I have not been to jail. And I don't think you have. No. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have recently spoken to a guest who has been five years in maximum security. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, yeah, she pulled the wool from the front of my eyes. That don't, no, that she, that's the wrong saying. She <laughs> took my rosy sunglasses off. Yeah, okay? yeah. Because she was saying that essentially, no, there were not great programs in, in the jail where she was. Um, so I, I think it very much depends upon where you are. Okay. In rehab, in a good rehab, yeah. and I was in a good rehab, people r taught me what addiction was all about and gave me tools, life tools, to uh -huh. deal with the future. So they changed me. They, they allowed me. I went back to school to learn the hard lessons of, my, of dealing with my own emotions, of dealing with depression, of recognizing what it is, recognizing my triggers, etc. Yeah. Provided such a system was in place in jail, yeah, I can see that she is getting somewhere. But I don't think that is the case. I don't okay. think that there, is, that there are... That 
I can I can give you for sure there is not a 28 day program that I have gone through mm -hmm. in any jail in the world that sure. is impossible because I went back to school for 28 days mm -hmm. From literally from eight o'clock till yeah. till the evening, uh, with various classes and activities, and there's no way in hell that that is in any jail. Yeah. So she is better off where she's at then, as far yeah. as reaching rec recovery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Could she well, could she get clean? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Um, she will be certainly for a while. She will be a dry drunk, mm -hmm. as I call them. So yeah. she will not be drinking, but she has not done or will not do anything on her underlying yeah. problems. Yeah. And and it's interesting, the, 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 the family thing also is a recurring theme throughout the movie, even with this, this family uh, visit day and her, her sister, um, again, the, um, the actress for, for, from Big, <laughs> Perkins, she's, she's skeptical of it because her attitude is, okay, well, you screwed up and then now I have to be inconvenienced because you screwed up. And so it's interesting how, how that plays out still. And the different family members coming in, not not just Gwen, but the there's a, um, a secondary character in one of the support groups. Same thing. She she gets that new perspective from this other family member who comes in that she wasn't aware of before. So it's there is a huge learning curve there for both the people who are coming out of their addiction and, of course, their families. Mm -hmm. because that was very, very vivid for me. Mm -hmm. Here I was going, doing all the hard work, working on myself and really taking my lessons to heart. So after 28 days, I was a very different man. But my family didn't know that. Yeah. They had the nose to the grindstone. They, my wife had to, to keep working, get the money in. The kids went to school and they had a little bit of a break from that. Yeah. And they had no idea what would happen. And here I was coming home expecting fanfares and, and, <laughs> and applause and yeah, everyone yeah. is happy about me. And they just looked at me. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> they, they had no idea what to expect. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, and remember, Addicts, we lie until our lips bleed, okay? <laughs> so they have heard it all before. They have, your families out there, the, the loved ones, they have heard it all. We have betrayed them so many times. We've lied to them so many times. Yeah, some of us have done, done things. Um, as Quen's sister says mm -hmm. in the start of the film, mm -hmm. you make it so hard yeah. to love you. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and the Steve Buscemi character, the, the head of the, the um, rehab clinic, he has the attitude of, okay, been there, done that, heard it all, you know, mm -hmm. got the souvenir t-shirt. And that, that's exactly what you said about the family members. A lot of them have already heard it already. And it's kind of, okay, <laughs> mm. pick a number, tell me, you know, tell me again, you know, yeah. they've heard it all exactly. before. Exactly. It's like, and that's in my book, I call it, it that's, that's where I talk about the amends. So the step, mm -hmm. uh, steps eight and nine is where you really, there's only so much you can say. You have exactly. to walk the walk. You exactly. have to show by your actions mm -hmm. that you have grown and that can only happen through trial and tribulations. When you, when normally, like, for example, I was for, always angry with my children that they had never washed up. 
my children are lazy kids. Let's yeah. let's be let's talk about <laughs> let's be honest. It yeah. always takes two to tango. Okay, yeah. let's get clear. Yeah, my kids were lazy ass, and but I was always riding them and I say, why don't you wash up? Why don't you yeah. wash up? Yeah. And when I came home from rehab, I washed up. I cleaned up. I did those things, and they thought, "What the hell? What's going on here?" Um, so yeah, my well, yeah, what did you, what did you, what did you do with my dad? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I changed. I changed. Yeah. I spent. I yeah. started spending time with them. We had this this craze of Pokemon going around, and it turns out, which is basically a game on their phones, and it's supposed to to keep children healthy because they yeah. have to walk. Um, 800 meters to hatch an egg in that game. And I, well, we, we figured out that if you drive the car slow enough, mm-hmm. you trick the game into thinking that you're walking. Exactly. So I became the Pokemon chauffeur and something that <laughs> never actually happened. Yeah. I hung out with my kids. Yeah. So we spent time driving around, talking shit or talking nothing. Yeah. But I was yeah. there for my kids. Mm-hmm. More walking immense. Mm-hmm. I was actually walking the walk or living amends, not walking amends, living amends, yeah. where yeah. I walked the walk and stopped talking. Yeah, yeah, and, and for those who are watching the movie while you're listening to the podcast, there, you, we see right now this scene that you had, you had um, mentioned a little while ago about where he comes to visit her. And he comes with, A, an engagement ring, and B, some, some champagne in a thermos, <laughs> which, you know, one of them conceivably would, would maybe be all right, but the second one, probably not the smartest thing to bring to someone when you're visiting them in rehab. And she probably, exactly. as we see, tosses it back in in, in the lake. Uh, so yeah, there there is a, a definite difference between being tone deaf and and being you know really understanding. You know, and 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 that scene right now where he's showing what it means to be tone deaf is a good illustration of that. That is alcoholism for you. Yeah. That is drug abuse for you. It is, and that shows you that it is really, really hard to change lives mm-hmm. if they don't want to have it changed. So Yeah, because he, he could have brought like a bottled water or mm-hmm. like a Pepsi or... It doesn't, it doesn't and he never that. exactly. He doesn't he, want that life. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's something. It's just really striking. What, what do you say? Just the the illustration of that in this movie. There's just so many scenes that just just nail it, and and that that scene in particular is a scene mm. that just really nails it. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of shame throughout the movie, a lot of guilt that shows throughout the movie, a lot of. Um, you know, codependency and, and family stuff that shows up throughout the movie. Um, what what other part of the movie jumps out at you as far as your experience in recovery? Was there anything that jumped out at you that sticks out in, in your mind when, when, when you saw this? I loved the, uh, the, the, the repetition when it came to this game to guess who... Uh, which kind of addictions oh, were yeah, now yeah. coming in people in. <laughs> yeah. And then this, this rather handsome dude comes in yeah. and, and Sandra Bullock actually has a little bit of a, ooh, ooh he's and I th- yeah, and You're here. referring to the, the Viggo Mortensen character yeah. before, and this is, That's I guess, it. Viggo Mortensen before Lord of the Rings. So he must have, must have been <laughs> one of his earlier movies. That's I mean. right. Well, he, was, he was still very attractive. Yeah, man, exactly. Uh, definitely, yeah. So, but of course it is, uh, it is, 
uh, it is a shame because here he is clearly a sportsman, etc. But he has got a sex addiction. Mm -hmm. He nails absolutely everything that has got a heartbeat. And sorry if I'm giving yeah. some bits away, but here <laughs> is yes, she actually comes across him then making yeah. love to another woman in a lift. Yeah, and okay. uh, and you and you, I, I felt oh, and the actually, cringing. and there, and now you mentioned there, there are actually two characters who who fit their criteria because there's. <laughs> the one really sarcastic guy yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a Viggo Mortensen character who yeah. comes in later. So there's actually two characters <laughs> that are, um, <laughs> that, that have that, uh, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that level of, uh, of yeah. addiction. Yeah. So, yeah. But for her, for her, yeah. it is really good because um, now she is on the receiving end mm -hmm. of addictive behavior. Yeah. She feels, oh my God, she feels a certain degree of betrayal there, yeah. uh, a, a degree of shock. But yeah. ultimately, her behavior was essentially the same thing. She exactly. shocked others and she didn't give a toodle about it. And now she was on the receiving end. And I think that's, again, a very powerful step to, for an alcoholic or an addict to make. Yeah. Yeah, let me say, isn't this isn't this a better commentary track to be having rather than because I cannot count how many movies I've seen where there's a commentary track and you've probably seen these too where you watch the commentary track and mm. all it is is the director or, or the one of the actors just goofing off about oh well this is a scene where this character had two hours of sleep the night before and they're goofing off and it's like who the hell cares <laughs> you know what relevance does this have to me enjoying uh, uh, the movie so, well unless you're a trivia a trivia buff yeah, and you exactly. want to know these kind of things yeah that's cool with me yeah but so, no it is but, the, but isn't, isn't this better because <laughs> someone watching the movie and listening to this commentary they're gaining and and i don't i haven't listened to all of the commentary track for this movie so I, i'm not picking on 28 days later i'm sure 28 days later, i'm sure there's a good commentary track so i'm not referring to 28 days but in in general i have encountered movies where the commentary track is useless <laughs> it's like why did you bother to bring in the director if all you're going to do is tell us about how much fun it was? We know it was fun filming. <laughs> you know, it would have had to have so been. True. So, so true, man. But th this is, I would, I would think this, what we're talking about now, I would hope brings more value to a lot of listeners, particularly those who might have, um, you know, a background or story consistent with Gwen's story in the movie. Mm -hmm. So I, I certainly hope that this is uh, beneficial to them and brings mm -hmm. more value as so opposed true. to, you know, another useless commentary track about, oh, um, these, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. I think the point, is, uh, the point to make is that those people out there who have stumbled across this, uh, this um, podcast here from you, they might be in the same boat as I was when I was still drinking and in active addiction. And I guess for you guys, just watch that film, watch it actually to the end. Exactly. And ask yourself the questions of how much does it resonate with you? If the film, if the film annoys you, mm -hmm. if you really get upset about it, why is that? Yeah. Why, you know, why are you angry? Uh, do you feel guilty? Do yeah. you feel ashamed? And if that, is the, if that is the case, if you feel really bad about this film, mm -hmm. then it probably has nothing to do with the film, but it actually has to do that it comes far too close yeah. and 
dropping some of the the masks that yeah. that you're holding in front of your face. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that I've always liked about the movie, and I'm not sure if this if this applies to you as well, is that the secondary characters and the third level characters and so on and so forth, they're developed characters. They're not just window dressing for a scene they actually have they're like real people mm. everyone from the the um i think the front desk uh, clerk played by margaret martindale who i didn't realize who she was until years later because i'd seen her in other movies but even even the margaret martindale character when she's checking in when she's checking in uh, gwen even someone who's as routine and uh, as, as mundane a task at the rehab as the Martin da- Margot Martindale character, she's a real developed character. Hmm. And it's like even the people in the, in the support group, they're all developed characters. And that's one of the things that I really liked about the movie is it affords those characters their, the, the, the respect of their characters and it doesn't hmm. just treat them as, oh, just someone who Gwen sees in rehab, but they really have their own three-dimensional aspects to them. That's something that, that I've always liked about the movie. And that's that's real life too. That's real rehab because mm-hmm. you're learning from the stories of others. Exactly. You 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 have so many eye openers in those twenty eight days mm-hmm. from listening to someone's story or from someone falling apart or from someone uh, being really in distress mm-hmm. about now going through their detox or going through their journey of recovery. Mm-hmm. So it is that is real life. Definitely. Definitely. So, so like I said, and I, I alluded to some of the criticisms of the movie earlier, but like I said, I don't agree necessarily with a, a lot of those criticisms. Mm. I, I, I just don't. <laughs> because well, let's, not, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Even if there, if there was this perception of a sitcom, when you're in recovery, you're bruised, you're vulnerable, mm-hmm. you, are, you know that. And yeah. how would you deal with that? To a certain degree, you want to make fun of it. You want to make you, you, there's a gallows humor that Mm -hmm. is very strong. So it is, uh, if there is laughter and banter and stupidity, Mm -hmm. that's actually exactly how it is. It is. It is. It is. You want to, to, to laugh you, and you want to laugh about your own misery because maybe by putting yourself down, you can put a smile on the other girl's face who Definitely. really needs that right now because she Definitely. is depressed to the nth degree. So a lot of, a lot of shit is being said. Definitely. Uh, a lot of stupid things are being said <laughs> yeah. for the sake of it because we all grow with it and, exactly. and you can defuse a angry situation exactly. with something like that. So that's life. It is. And so, like I said, I don't agree with that criticism um, for the very reason that you state. You, you do get that mix of personalities and different people with different backgrounds. So unless you're in, you know, I don't even know what scenario someone would be in where, they, where you wouldn't have a mix of different characters, yeah, a different yeah. mix of backgrounds. You're, it's, yeah. it's life, like you said. It's something where you're going to have that mix of, of people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, so um, now, is there anything that, that I did not ask you about that, that you, you wanted to mention about, about 20 Days? It is a good film. It, it, is, it is. It has made me think. And it is one of the few films that deals with addiction that I truly can recommend people out there to watch because it is actually relatively close to the truth. There is not 
too much where I say, oh, come on, that's mm-hmm. not real. Mm-hmm. No, there are so many little things. Mm-hmm. And it's a film that you, that is worth to be watched without distractions. Exactly. Uh, ideally, ideally, without you having your mm-hmm. phone and playing something yeah. on the phone or yeah. talking to someone. Mm-hmm. No, but actually listening, listening to, mm-hmm. to every word and seeing yeah. how the character is changing. Yeah. Because her transformation might soon be the transformation of hopefully you, if you're in addiction, exactly. or if you live with someone who you think, oh my God, I, I have lost all hope. Mm-hmm. This is actually a film that can give you hope. Because Definitely. just as much as Gwen gets better, mm-hmm. that is the expectation from someone going into a good rehab. Correct. And well, correct. And one of the things also is 28 Days is, it really is, and I, I hate this term, but a feel-good movie. Because it really is a feel-good movie. It really is. I mean, it's it, at least for me, and I would imagine for you as well, you just feel better about yourself. You feel better about life. You feel better about, you know, recovery, whatever recovery path you're on, when you're watching the movie, at the end of the movie. Because it just has a very, like you said, a very hopeful message. And so even though there's a lot of heavy subjects, a lot of serious subjects, a lot of, you know, undoubtedly um, a lot of heavy lifting in the movie, at the end of the day, it is still, could easily be considered a feel-good movie because you really do feel good watching it. I mean, <laughs> but also it is, it is a movie where people speak out about things that are otherwise taboo. Absolutely. And I think that it's so important nowadays that we that we talk about mental health, that we talk about addiction, that we demystify it, and that we actually bring it out there. Because the chance of chemical addiction is one in three. Exactly. The chance of you having a massive depressive, a major depressive episode in your life is one in three. The, sure. the incidence of young women having anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. which is virtually crippling and paralyzing for them, is one in five nowadays. Absolutely. It is normal. It is normal. It's stop. Let's, let's bring it out of the shadows exactly. and talk about it and see how we can improve it. Absolutely. And, and I hope, you know, and I'm confident that this conversation will, will help uh, facilitate um, mm-hmm. discussion and, and, and get, the, you know, get the conversation going in, in the right direction. So oh, um, now I do want to mention for those who are listening, if, if, you, if you are in a situation where, where you are asking for help and looking for help, I did want to mention a couple of resources. Um, I know that in the U.S. there's Mental Health America, their website's mhanational.org, and there's also National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, at nami.org. I know that wherever you're listening in the world, there may be different organizations wherever you are. So definitely um, there, there is help available. And I know, you know, I, I want you to get better. I know Stefan wants you to get better. And we're both rooting for you. And um, so thank you for, um, thank you for being here today. Uh, I appreciate it. And thank you for listening and um, stay safe, everyone. And I will um, talk with you next time. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. It was